Hi, good morning, beloved of God. For whatever reason you're awake at this early hour, arise, warrior. Suit up in your spiritual armor, resist the devil, and he will flee. O mighty man of valor, there is no one who loves or cares for you more, no one who wants to see you succeed more. There's no one who knows you better. What greater love is there? Father, teach us to walk in the truth that greater are you who is in us than he who is in the world. We as a people do not grasp the he who is in the world. So give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus so the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened that we begin to understand who we are greater than in you. Teach us to search your word to understand whom we are called to take dominion over. Open our eyes to the spiritual realm where our enemy lurks, seeking to devour those who dwell on the earth. With the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, I bind every principality and power, assignment, attachment, oppression and infirmity on everyone whom is listening to this broadcast. I command in the name of Jesus that you be bound and silenced. In Jesus' name, I take authority over the airwaves for the kingdom of God. Lord God in heaven, release your angels to set your people free. Bind up the brokenhearted and give hope and comfort to your people. In Jesus' name, fortify our walls and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? That may sound like a silly question to you because it is part of the New Testament, but I assure you that there are more than a few who have answered this question with something like, it's too hard to understand, it scares me, I don't really read the Bible, I watch TV, I like my pastor to do Bible studies, or I listen during the sermons. Have you used one of these excuses for not ever reading the book of Revelation, the book of the apocalypse and the end of the age? I wrote a letter to a local pastor, and in it I made reference to the seven churches in the beginning chapters of the book of Revelation, and I felt compelled to look more closely at exactly what was written in that book. After all, even though these churches were addressed at the time John wrote the book of Revelation, they are equally addressed at the time of the fulfillment of the revelation of Jesus Christ at the end of the age. I've heard it said that they are the conditions of the church through the ages from the time John wrote this book. I've also learned that it is a condition of the church throughout its history. That might be so, but it is addressed to each of the seven churches with consequences at the time of the re revelation of Jesus Christ. I felt the Lord direct me to close out other interpretations and seek out what I feel what he is revealing to me through these passages. Listen to the last broadcast on podcasts on the radio station and catch up with the series on the churches of Revelation. But let me review. 
Jesus says of himself in his address to the angels of the seven churches that he holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven candlesticks. What does the seven stars and candlesticks represent? We don't have to guess or interpret. That question is answered in Revelation 1.20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches. He is the first and the last. He was dead and is alive. He has a sharp two-edged sword. He is the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. He has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He is holy, true, and has the key of David that he opens and no man can shut and shuts that no man can open. He is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. These expressions of himself are found in other passages in the Bible. They're consolidated in the descriptions to the seven churches. So it isn't a worthless pursuit to search more deeply into why he has revealed himself to the churches by these definitions. There is imagery in the names of the seven churches in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. They each have a meaning. Their names help identify what each church was doing, and what they were like. There are multiple levels of interpretation and revelation. Jesus doesn't mince words. There is a deeper meaning in everything that he says, and when we find these nuggets of truth buried in the narrative, it prompts us to search and seek. It keeps the Bible new and fresh for generations. In the first three chapters, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamos are adjectives. They describe the noun. Ephesus means permitted or allowable. Smyrna means myrrh or bitter. Pergamos means height, stature, elevation, or lofty. As we go into individual characteristics of the churches, these meanings will become more relevant. The next three are proper locative nouns. It's more of a physical feel than a descriptive meaning. Thyatira means odor of affliction. Sardis means the red ones and or a luxurious city. Philadelphia, we all know this one, means brotherly love. Can you guess what might be said to each of these churches by these definitions? The only one described as a proper masculine noun is Laodicea. It means justice of the people. That may sound good and strong from the definition, but read what the Spirit says to the church of Laodicea. Independent and self-confident is the feel I glean from this definition, and I'll go into that in a later broadcast. Were these cities named long before the church came into existence out of God's foreknowledge of how they would be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did God know the spiritual condition of these regions in which these cities existed? 
given God's omnipotence, knowing of everything, that not only are all of the hairs of our head numbered, but on a macro level, he had, has, and will have an understanding of the tendencies of the culture and even the nature of the rulers of the second heaven and how they have an effect on the citizens of that region. Think on that. Everything fits perfectly into God's divine plan. And the more understanding we gain in reading and studying the word, the Bible becomes more awestruck. We become with the level of integration each book has with the whole. It is humanly impossible for so many different writers to integrate the themes, locations, definitions, prophecies, doctrines, timing, and relationships into a coherent, impeccable narrative that only the Holy Spirit and the Bible provides. I will go into more on the churches in the book of Revelation in the next several broadcasts because I believe it's important for us to learn what the Spirit of God is saying to the church of modernity of which we are part. Lord God in heaven, help us to understand what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Prepare us for the time of the revelation of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. Give us the impetus and understanding to read this important book and provide the blessing that you offer for reading and listening to this end-of-the-age account of Jesus' return and rule. Let that great truth inspire us to search out the greater message of the book of Revelation. Let our hearts not faint or fear, but strengthen us in the power of the Holy Spirit and increase our boldness in this world that is passing away. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.